Welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're learning Devorim Sheni, the second Aliyah in a Parshas Devorim. Our topic today is systems of judges. Our Aliyah is only um, nine psukim long from Perik Aleph Pasuk Yud Beis to Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Let's take a look at a brief summary of the Aliyah and then we'll look at some of the deeper points to ponder. So we hear that Moshe Rabbeinu asks, Eicha Salavadi. How can I bear you alone, your bother, your, your burden, your fights? Moshe Rabbeinu is continuing on the line of the last Aliyah, where he is talking about the responsibilities of spiritual leadership that he feels are too much, and he needs to broaden it. He needs to be able to share that burden, which is why he turns to every tribe and he asks them to submit to him wise men, people who are known, and he'll nominate them as leaders. The nation answered and said this was a good idea. The people thought this was a good thing. Sometimes um, Rashi points out that Moshe Rabbeinu was a little disappointed. He wanted them to say, you yeah, know, we want you, Moshe Rabbeinu. But they didn't. They went ahead and they said, no, we do like this system of, you know, of multiple leaders. And Moshe took the wise and known men and made them into the leaders of the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, and the tens, and police and in every tribe. You think about it just as an aside. If you have leaders of every ten, that's essentially really a, a representative on every block. If you think about the level of leadership, the multiple tiers of responsibility, that there would be units, very small units, almost like an army, where everybody was accounted for, everybody had their leader to turn to, their judge to turn to. He then commands the judges to, uh, to judge righteously between whether it be brothers or those who are converts to the nation. He warned them about showing against showing favor or fearing anybody because the mishpat lelo kippur that the judgment belongs to hakadosh baruch Hu. this is certainly an iconoclastic idea certainly at the times in which is in which moshe ben is talking um even though today it seems to be something which is more universally accepted although not necessarily universally practiced he explains that the tough matters will be brought to him to be heard if there's the judges can't deal with themselves there's a pyramid and at this point, they, the Israel travels from Chorev, which is another name for Sinai, and they go to the extensive desert, uh, to, the, to a place called Kadesh Baranea, which according to many is just in the, in the Sinai Peninsula. Some others identify that as Petra in Jordan. Moshe then spoke to Israel, explained that they had come to the Har Ha'emori, the mountain of the Amorite, and they are about to enter the promised land of Hashem. So we seem to have this interesting in interruption here. You, uh, we hear in the first Aliyah about their uh, trip that's going to be to the land of Israel. They're about to make this trip. Moshe Rabbeinu then institutes the system of judges, and now we continue with the, uh, the journey to the land of Israel. That seems to be the progression here. So a few basic questions. Number one is, why is, not, is Yisrael not mentioned? If Yisrael was the one who suggested this whole system of bureaucracy, of judgment, of hierarchy, then surely he should get some credit. We ought to all know that in Sefer, in, in, in Sefer Shmos, in Parshas Yisrael, this is, he was the one who suggested this. So the Malin points out that it is true that Yisrael suggested this, but if you remember the suggestion that Yisrael was, was in a certain sense, in Moshe's hands. You will be the one who to, to find all these judges. What Moshe did when he actually... Um, instituted this was he turned to the people and he says you should give me you should nominate for me which meant that Moshe took a more democratic route than an autocratic route so he wanted to ensure that the people felt their leaders were from among them people they knew people not there who not necessarily Moshe felt were his close buddies or you know people in his family it was people who they trusted and knew and that's part of why it was taken away from the Yisroi um, attribution because Moshe did it quite differently now, what triggered all of this? Why is this all happening? So Rashi points out 
These are tough people, and he gives examples. The, the nation of Israel is tough to their leaders. He, he, he gives an example. He says that when people would lose in court, they would protest and they would say, let's bring more witnesses, let's add judges. They were never happy even when they, when they lost. They were sour losers. Another example is when Moshe would leave to go home, they'd say, oh, he's got issues at home. When he would stay, they would say, oh, look, he's staying because he's trying to whisper behind our backs against us. So the nothing he could do was, was correct. And Moshe Ben was saying, how can I deal with all your complaints, all the problems that you create? The Ramban takes it a little further and he says, that actually there are three roles of a leader. Um, when it refers to your burdens, it refers to teaching, which is a huge, hugely taxing experience. The teacher has to spend hours upon hours of hidden hours that those who are seeing the front end don't even realize went into that lesson. So that's the Torchachem. The Maasachem is the burden refers to prayer. Moshe Benu is praying on their behalf. He has a responsibility spiritually to care for those who are vulnerable and those in need or in crisis. And Rivchem, the Ophites, those three words used, what's the Rivchem pastoral, adjudicating between neighbors and friends, for husband and wife, children and parents. That's the three roles, the role of the teacher, the role of the caring prayer um, leader, and the pastoral person, the judge, adjudicating between different fights. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, all of that is too much one person to embody, and therefore we needed to bifurcate that into different sections. Now, when did this actual, uh, this parasha actually happen? When did this episode take place? The Rashi and the Ramban point out this is actually a little bit of a debate, because if you read Parshas Yisra, it seems that this all happens before Matan Torah, whereas if you read Parshas Dorim, it sounds like it happens after Matan Torah, which leads to a fascinating debate as to whether the Yisra episode uh, in Parshas Yisrael was chronological or not chronological based on these two versions of the narrative. Finally, is it a bad thing that Moshe Rabbeinu cannot, ma cannot manage alone? So Mishra points out that if you look at that Pasuk, the first Pasuk in the Aliyah, actually the tradition is to read it as past, uh, part of the first Aliyah. And it's actually read in the tune used for Eicha. Remembering that Parshas Devorim is always Shabbos Chazon, the Shabbos right before Tishabav. And it is read as follows: Echo esel avadi torchachem umasachem verivchem. So the, it is read in the tune, the cantillation of Echa itself, and the, obviously the word Echa is very connected to this. Midrash pointing out that there are three Echas in the Torah in Tanakh, and this is the first of them, which is related directly to this the, this initial problem. So the, the what is interesting is that the Maral of Prague points out that actually this the idea of diversity is a good thing for Israel. So Shem Mishmul, the Sakha Shavu Rebbe asks, what does that mean? Diversity usually leads to arguments, and wasn't it Sinas Chinam, baseless hatred, which destroyed the temple? So the Shem Mishmul explains, there's a difference between spiritual diversity and material diversity. When it comes to spiritual diversity, that's a good thing, because that broadens and that uh, will call complements very complex ideas. So if you have a very complex idea like the Torah, and you have multiple people thinking and having different perspectives on it, that actually enhances the enterprise because there are multiple people who see things differently. However, when it turns down to a material need, and then it becomes not so much about ideas, it becomes about people, property, um, ego, when it comes into that realm, that's something which only separates and creates distraction. What was being said over here is Moshe Rabbeinu said, I know that you're all very different, and that was your greatest asset, but it's also your greatest challenge because it creates so many fights. The Tanya in Likute Ma'amorim in Perek Lamed Beis, in the Leva Tanya, says a very beautiful thing. He says that 
whenever we're together, that's where Hashem can be found among us. That bless Hashem when we're all together. And he says on a spiritual level, we all are together. On a material level, we're separate from each other. The more we realize that we're all part of one larger soul, the more we sort of, so to speak, see ourselves from a more a, a, a 30,000 foot perspective spiritually, we realize we actually all are connected. It's just in our material expression, our bodies, our lives, our finances, our, our, our skill sets, that's where we differentiate. And when we focus on all the differences in the material need, then we are very different. Though it's sort of the metaphor sometimes is easy to think about. This is imagine you have dough and you push the dough through a colander and it pushes out strings of different dough. So each different string of dough thinks that it's really a separate entity. But if you just go all the way back to the other side of the colander, it's actually really one, 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 um, one clump of dough. We're all connected. We're all, we're all one. And even though we may be different, but if, as long as the differences are spiritual, intellectual, that's fine. Once they turn into material, once they turn into ego, that's where the problems are, and that's what Moshe Ben is identifying over here. This closes the second idea. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.